All right. Welcome back to Scissors and Scrubs. Oh, God. We're deep in the heart of winter, Laura. <laughs> deep in the heart. Of course, we're recording this at the beginning of winter, so I don't really know when this comes out, if we've had snow yet or anything, but... Let's hope not. Fucking cold. It is cold. It's going to come out sometime in February, right? Mm-hmm. February 6th, I think. So, we were thinking of different topics to talk about, and um, we came up with Mount Washington. Yeah. It's a place. It's a place. And, you know, I think it's um, it's like, I don't know, like when you look at a little baby lion. It looks so cute. looks so tiny. You don't know if you're Alma. Yeah. That's Mount Washington. People are like, oh, it's in New Hampshire. It's not a big deal. It's a killer. Yeah. We work with a girl that's from Colorado. And she said something to me like, yeah, but you have like little mountains. I'm like, we have the like one of the worst mountains in the entire world. It's number eight. On like, the what are you talking about? They don't even. They like it's like a little hill. All these mountains are hills, and I'm like, mm-hmm. uh huh. Go try. Go try go to get up top. It. You'll die. Go climb it. Yeah. When you when we start talking about how many people died. Yeah. At one point, it was double the amount that died on Everest. Everest has oh. since gone up again, mm-hmm. but the the deaths on Mount Washington are longer. So they probably got another sixty years on. Everest on how many people have died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it shows up as like number eight. It's two behind Everest. Mm-hmm. It's not a joke. And I think that's the problem with Mount Washington is people Deceiving. approach it like, oh, it's a day hike. Yeah. Right. I learned quickly yeah. it's not just a day hike. And I learned the hard way with three little kids with mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather changes in the blink of a fucking eye. Yep. It gets colder than you like. It's snow it can, up there in the summer. It can be July. You can be at the base. It's 85 and you get to the top. It's 40. Mm-hmm. And people hike that in a day and yep. forget how cold it is up there. Yep. So we're going to talk about Mount Washington. Um, we're going to talk about its weather. We're going to talk about its landmarks. And we're going to talk about its death toll. Mm-hmm. So okay. here we go. Take it away, Sparkles. Here we go. I got my information from New Hampshire Magazine. Uh, oh, I did too. New Hampshire Climbing. Amusing Planet. Travel the Food for the Soul. And Wikipedia. <laughs> Travel the food for the soul. Yep. So Mount Washington. Italian explorer Giovanni de Verrazzano was the first European to see Mount Washington from his sailboat in 1524. He was coming up. His sailboat? Well, you know. The Sacco? I don't know. No, like from what? the Atlantic Ocean. He's sailing up, you know, coming over from Italy. And he's like, oh. I see this big mountain. Like, he could see it from the thing. That was the first huh. recorded time someone I saw. I could see it from the ocean. Yeah, apparently. Maybe back then. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we know the really, other mountains weren't there yet. <laughs> really long telescope. <laughs> He's something. Yeah. Those Italians are something. Yeah. Of course, Native Americans had lived at the base of the mountain, like, long before Giovanni ever came into the Oh, world. Giovanni. Um, they had several different names for the peak. Like, God help me with these. Kodak Wajo, mm-hmm. which means hidden top. Um... A hidden top is perfect because you can never see the yeah, fucking top it's of it. It's always in clouds. Um, a geo kochuk, which is the place of the spirit, and wambik, which is white rocks. Um, they consider the top of the mountain sacred, and that's where gods lived. I believe it because it's you never see it. So they never climbed it. Oh. It was sacred ground. So well, that was smart. Yeah, of course the European settlers wanted to show what's what to the Native Americans, so they started climbing it. Um, they all died. Yeah, Darby Fields was the first recorded climber in 1642. In 1642, in his suit, coat, and hat, and you know. He had to be from England, right? With a name like Darby. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, Mount Washington is the highest peak in the northeastern U.S. in the most prominent mountain east of the Mississippi. 
the peak is a mere 6,288 feet. So that's like nothing. It's nothing. Um, yet it endures the world's most extreme weather. The weather is comparable to the weather at the top of Mount Everest, which is 29,000 isn't that so feet. fucking weird? It's bizarre. It's the worst weather in the world in this little tiny mountain in right. New Hampshire. It's bizarre. Yeah. And um, it's comparable to the weather at the South Pole. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. how extreme the weather is in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. This little mountain in New Hampshire. It's, like I said, it's located in New Hampshire, and it's part of the White Mountain Range. Mm-hmm. It's part of the Presidential Mountain Range, um, which has, like, 13 mountains that are named after presidents. It's the highest. I think the next one's, like, Mount Adams. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it's also part of the Appalachian Trail. It's in a temperate climate zone, but it has Arctic-like conditions. It has extreme cold, year-round snow, dense fog, heavy icing, and extreme winds. This is due to its location, like geographic location. The peak is in the path of many storm systems, mainly those from the Atlantic to the south, and then the Gulf region and the Pacific Northwest. So everything travels right through this, where the mountains are. The vertical rise of the presidential presidential mountain range and the fact that it is north to south oriented instead of east to west. So it goes like this. It's taking a hit. Yep. It it all those westerly winds like slam it. into it. Mm-hmm. Um it, but it stops it from coming over Gosh. to us. Um because of the temperature differences between the northeast and the Atlantic Ocean in the winter, um, a low pressure system forms along the coastline, which causes ferocious winds. So we are always in like this low yeah. pressure system over here. You know, if you don't live near the ocean, you don't realize the ocean has a huge effect on the weather. Oh, yeah. Huge effect on the weather. Um, Mount Washington held the world record for the fastest wind gust ever recorded on the surface of the earth for 62 years. What was it? The Mount Washington Observatory at the peak of the mountain recorded a gust of at 231 miles per hour. Holy shit. On April 12th, 1934. A new record of 253 mile per hour winds was recorded during a typhoon in Australia in 1996. During a typhoon. That's when that's right. the winds that beat it during a typhoon. Um the peak is blasted by par- hurricane force winds 110 days per year. That's a lot. That's half the year. It's a lot. Um the Mount Washington Observatory and other structures at the peak are all chained down to the mountain. To prevent them from blowing <laughs> off of it. I didn't know that. There's a cat that lives in that observatory. Yeah. Um, another building, the Tip Top House, was originally built as a hotel. It's located very close to the summit, and its walls are eight feet thick to try to keep travelers warm inside. Good luck. Eight feet thick. Good luck. Um, Mount Washington has very high levels of precipitation. Mm-hmm. The snowfall occurs all year, averaging 280 inches per year. Holy shit. In February of 1969, 49.3 inches of snow fell in 24 hours, which is obviously a record. That's ridiculous. 49.3 inches. That's ridiculous. Four feet of snow in 24 hours. Um, The lowest temp ever recorded at Mount Washington Summit is negative 46 degrees Celsius, which means it's like negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit. Only the South Pole is colder. Only the South Pole. Mount Washington in New Hampshire. It's colder. On January 16th, 2004, the temp at the summit was negative 42 degrees Celsius. But there were sustained winds of 87.5 miles per hour, resulting in a wind chill of negative 74.77 degrees Celsius, which was a negative 101.2 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Negative 101 (laughs) degrees. (laughs) That's insane. It's like, how does that happen? 
That's insane. There was a TikTok where this guy's like, I wonder how cold it has to be for your pee to freeze as you're peeing. Well, I'm think I'm gonna go with that mm, was probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it would freeze as it's coming out. I don't even think it's body. coming out of you. <laughs> you're not peeing in that your stream is frozen, yes. Yeah. Um Charles Brooks is the man that created the Mount Washington Observatory. It's like scientific studies, like the wind and the yeah. weather and all that stuff. Um, no, there was a gift shop up there. <laughs> yes, there's a gift shop. There's that little hotel. There's, I think there's even like bathrooms. Um, he coined the name Home of the World's Worst Weather, which is still used to describe the weather at the summit. The peak in observatory are very popular tourist spots, despite or maybe because of the severe weather. Uh, the mountain is part of a popular hiking area in the White Mountains. The Appalachian Trail crosses the summit. And that all brings adventurers to the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, the high winds bring in people who enjoy glider flying because, you know, you're going to fly off the top of that shit in those gliders. Yeah. People do that. Uh, they're insane. In 257 miles. I, I literally can't. I, don't I think literally can't. Slam you so fast into the mountain, yeah, you'll I, disintegrate. Or just fly off to God knows where. <laughs> you end up in fucking Chicago. Yeah. Um, and the year round snow brings not only winter skiers, but spring skiers as mm-hmm. well because you can spring up, pretty much ski all year. Those spring skiers can be found on Tuckerman's Ravine. Mm-hmm. It's a glacial cirque, which slopes <laughs> eastward on the southeast face of the mountain. It's a big bowl. It's a giant it's bowl a at the top bowl. of the mountain. Yes. Um, Is the, it the back side of the mountain that's on? The or? southeast face. It looks like somebody, somebody took like a southeast. So not really the back. The it's like, yeah, it's like no. this side. Um, the spring skiers will hike up Tuckerman's Trail. To the ravine, to the top of the ravine, and then ski down the bowl. Um, and they're hiking either with their equipment, like yeah, you have to on, hike with it, or like it's ridiculous. You have to carry it. Yeah, you yep. have to carry all that um, shit up. And that trail isn't easy. No, and this, um, they can go. They can spring ski between April and July. Yep, temps are mild. Like it's really warm when you get up there, but it's the snow is so packed because it's about they get about fifty five feet per winter mm-hmm. of snow up there so it's so packed down that even though it's warm then it's there's never plenty of snow up, yeah. to ski on um and the winds up there are so strong because you're at the top of this mm-hmm. mountain that the winds pick up snow from the surrounding like highlands and, and dump them into the ravine so you have tons of snow in that ravine thousands of people have been known to ski tucks in one spring weekend thousands yeah in one spring weekend people die too yeah you can ski in the winter but the ravines peak avalanche Danger is between December and early March, so it is not advised to ski Tuckerman's Ravine in the winter. It's usually spring skiing that they do. You can. It's very dangerous because avalanches occur all the time. Um, There are several runs that have been cut into the ravine for skiing, Mm -hmm. and they started doing that in 1933 to, like, preserve the um, ravine. They're all as steep as 40 to 55 degrees, which is extremely freaking steep. Yeah, you get 90s upright. Right. It's like this. It's It's steep. steep. It's going into a bowl. And then that bowl just ends. And you (laughs) go off of the side of a mountain. (laughs) And you just go off. I've been up. I was little. And I was like, holy shit. These people are just going to ski right down into this. um, Off of it. Clearly, it's not for novices. No. God, no. I don't think anybody should do it. But um, the left gully is the easiest run. If you are just brand new to ravine skiing, do the left gully. (laughs) The chute, as it's called, drops between two huge cliffs. That, like, help narrow the run. So you start it, then you go down in between two huge cliffs, yeah, and then no, it's a very narrow run. Um, the ice fall, which is another run, requires skiers to go off cliffs as tall as 25 feet, and it is 55 degrees 
No. Vertical. Nope. 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 nope another nope, nope. Lin, the uh, another run is the lip. That is an open run, but that averages slopes between 50 and 55 degrees. None of them are safe. <laughs> but the easiest one, left gully. Right. It's the right gets worse. They said the left is the easiest. The right gets worse. You know what, Laura? It's okay. I'm never doing any. I of them. will never do this. I'm lucky if I'm ever going to ski again. I know. They held, I never even heard of this before. They held the three American Inferno races on Tuckerman's Ravine in the 1930s. Um, it was a race that ran. I think the summit, 30s were a wild fucking time. Wild. It was a race that ran summit to base, which is 4.2 miles long. The first year, Hollis Phillips won in 14 minutes in 41.3 seconds. From the base, I mean, from the summit to the base. It took him 14 minutes? But it's, if you think about how... That's that, a long time, though, to be skiing. 14 minutes. Oh, yeah. The second year, Dick Durrance went one in 12 <laughs> oh, minutes. Dick. Yeah, in 35 seconds. The third year, Tony Matt made a, just a last minute game change and <laughs> decides to ski, ski straight down from the like summit to the base. Straight down. He was like, you know what? It's Fuck really it. hard to turn on this. I'm just going to go live. straight. And then again, off the fucking bowl. Um, from the crest down the full bowl straight, he won it in six minutes, yeah. 29.4 seconds. A lot, lot faster than 15. He did it two times faster than the last guy that won because he went fucking straight, straight down, down a down. mountain yeah. screaming. Um, <laughs> and he hit <laughs> speeds of 85 miles per hour. Yeah, come on. On skis. How is that safe? On How skis. Is that safe? And you know they didn't have helmets in the no 1930s. Um, they were on those wooden skis yeah. that were like strapped on yeah. your feet. They're wearing suits. Leather. I'm pretty sure they were still wearing suits at this point. <laughs> Tuckerman's Ravine was named after botanist Edward Tuckerman, who studied alpine plants um, at the ravine in the 1830s and 40s. I'm going to do that in my retirement, study alpine plants. Yeah, I'm not going to. Um, Dr. Wishot of Bresley, Germany, was the first to ski on Mount Washington in 1899, and John Apperson was the first to ski Tuckerman's in April 1914. It is a 3.6-mile hike up Tuckerman Ravine mm-hmm. Trail. It takes about six and a half hours, and it is a challenging hike trail. Like they rate them, it is There's a challenge. A lot of, and uh, rocks and yes. shit you got to get over. If you go in the winter, you have to take Lionhead Winter Route. You can't go up Tykeman. Hike up. You can't go up Tykeman's. Tuckerman's. My God. You can't go up Tuckerman's Ravine Trail in the winter. You have that's the spring trail. You have to use the Lionhead Winter Route to go up there in the winter, which is four point one miles, four hours up. And two and a half down. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Um, visitors who are... I will talk about the Lion's Head Trail in a minute because I'm going to read something that somebody wrote about it. Um, visitors who are not as adventurous can use the Mount Washington <laughs> Auto Road. And you'll see the little sticker on the back of everybody's cars around you. This car this climbed Mount Washington. Washington. And you can you go all the way up to the summit, though. It's crazy. And yeah. then you come back down. But the very, not, is that road open in the wintertime? No, not in the wintertime. Yeah. No. Um, or you can take the Cog Railway. Oh, the cog. Sylvester Marsh. It's going to cost you your firstborn to fucking ride the cog railway. Really? Oh, it's like 80 bucks a ticket. Yeah. It's a ridiculous... I mean, you got a family of five? Yeah. I'm not paying $400 to mm-hmm. ride the fucking cog railway. Yeah. Sorry. So Sylvester Marsh bought 17,000 acres on Mount Washington that extended all the way from the base to the summit. And by August 1866, had built a cog railway... Um, where a steam-driven locomotive climbed all of Mount Washington all the way up to the summit. And it still exists today. You can take your family on it. You see beautiful you know, when views. They say cog. Remember Mr. Cogswell on the Jetsons? It's not a railway like 
you would think. It actually has a cog that digs into... Right. It's not like just the wood beams and metal rails. And, right. right. It, because you're climbing a mountain. So it, it actually climbs into the mountain. I Google it. It's like a wheel that locks Turn. into... Yeah. Like, turns and brings it up. And you can... It's one of those weird things where you can stand on it and you can go like at a really steep pitch because it's going up so steep. It's so steep. That you can, you know... You yeah, you'll lean forward. forward. Yeah, it's yeah. like the big thing to do on the cog railway. Yeah. Or so, it once, don't need to do it again. Yeah, I never did it. Um, but I did climb to Tuckerman's as a small child. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I took my small children. And up I there. will never forget <laughs> seeing these people seat on this fucking bowl and being like, they're going to all die. Yeah. They're all going to die. And I was probably eight. And they're going to die in front of my face. And that's all I could think was yeah. these people are going to die. And I think I had shorts on. Because <laughs> um, we didn't know. So I'm, re- I'm going to read this article about Lionhead Winter Root. It's on NewHampshireClimbing.com just because I think it is probably too much description, but it's like very descriptive. So the it's lion good to describe because a lot of people die out. Yeah. So the Lionhead Winter Route is 4.1 miles. It's at an elevation gain of 4,250 feet. It takes, like I said, four hours up and two and a half hours down. And this is the standard route to the summit of Mount Washington in the winter. So you start off at the Pinkham Notch Visitor Center is where that's where you get to like the Tuckerman's Mm -hmm. Ravine Trail. That's where you get your main trails up to the summit. I think it's one of the stops on the Appalachian Trail, too. The Pinkham Notch Visitor? I don't know. I know the Appalachian Trail goes across the summit of Mount Washington. Um, You can get you go to this center. It tells you the avalanche report. It tells you the weather, which is very important. If the avalanche report says, hey, not a great day, don't, don't go. go. If the weather report says, hey, not perfect mm-hmm. conditions, don't go. Um, You can get a warm breakfast there, like to start yeah. your day. There's a changing station, a staging area. There's a bathroom. You can fill your water bottles it's up. A, it's a big place. It's a preparation it's a place, it's yeah. to prepare you for this hike. Um, Then you start on the Tuckerman Ravine Trail. That is where you start your trail. And it gradually climbs 1.7 miles. It is not hard. This is a very easy trail to get through in the beginning. Um, it intersects with the Huntington Ravine Fire Road. Um, that takes about 45 minutes to get to this point, this mm-hmm. little walk. But if you're not like an experienced climber or walker, it takes like over an hour. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure when you get to that Pinkham little area in the very beginning, make sure that that lion's head trail is actually open because it is winter. And it can be closed. You don't want to start up and then be start. Um, they do not open that trail until snow completely covers the ground. So it must okay. be safer yeah. to go. Um, so from the winter route, you'll follow the fire road towards the Harvard cabin. Harvard cabin. Um, there's like a small wooden rescue cache once you get to the Lion Head winter trail. Um, it has like avalanche probes and all this stuff. This is where most potties put on their crampons and get out their ice axes. Like you're not far into the swak and you're already putting on those little Little things on your bikes on the bottom. Yep. That are spiky. So you don't fall on the ice and you get out your ice axes. Um, but there is a spot a few minutes up where you could do that as well. Within a few minutes, the trail rears up and gets extremely steep for a short, short section. So you put your shit on, and then all of a sudden it's wicked steep. And this is the easier trail to take to ski tucks. No, this is the winter trail. Okay, because gotcha. right. in, in the in the summer in the, in the right. winter you can't go. You're right. You're right. Up the tucks yep. trail. Um. So it's extremely steep for a very short section. There is even a small rock step. 
This short section is quite easy, but it does require using your hands or axe for a few moves. And there are severe consequences if you slip. Um, This person says, I typically carry a 50 long piece of rope, which I use on this section. Um, After another half hour of steep uphill grinding, the trail emerges from the spruce onto a broad, wide open slope that leads up to the lion head, which is like a rock formation that looks like a lion head. The section from tree line up to the lion head is often icy, and it's here that you'll usually get your first taste of the wind. It can blow pretty hard in this area, but not as hard as it'll be up on the lion head, which is one of the windiest places on the mountain. Just below Lionhead, the trail moves up through a steep, rocky section, which is another spot where you really have to watch your footing. The moves are easy, but the consequences of a fall are serious. On top of Lionhead, you'll get a view down into Tuckerman Ravine. So you're like above Tuckerman Ravine. Um, And if the weather is good, you'll have an unobstructed view of the summit. There's a flat area on top of Lionhead, and it's a nice place to take a break if the wind is not ripping. But in my experience, it is almost always very windy at this spot in the winter. If it is blowing hard and you need to stop, you can often find shelter below the line. You have to like crawl mm-hmm. under the rock. Um, this person says the success of a winter sent to Tux is has to do with wind and visibility. Um, you sh- they're saying you should go on the Mount Washington Observatory website. Check the forecast. If it is windy and the visibility is poor, do not try this climb. Um, if you decide to go for the summit in high winds and something goes wrong, you could end up another Mount Washington statistic. Um, another thing that this person's learned over the years is that Mount Washington is that wind always feels much stronger than it actually is. Typically, if the wind is gusting up to 35 miles an hour, people will think it is 50 to 60 miles per hour. So imagine what it's like at 50 or 60 right. miles an hour. If it's that, if it's blowing hotter than that, turn around, go back. Um, from the lion head, the trail moves along the northern lip of Tuckerman Ravine. I don't want to be on anything called a lip on the top of a mountain. I can tell you that much. Across the Alpine Garden to the base of the summit. Alpine Garden? Alpine Garden. Um, but the trail runs right along the lip of the ravine. So you're walking right along you're the, on edge the edge of the you're ravine. Teetering. Yep. The, the trail is often bare ice in this area. I'm good. I'm good. And it is possible to slip or have the wind blow you over the edge into tucks. Why? Why, Why are we doing, doing this? this? Um, another thing to keep in mind as you're moving across this section that is likely to be, in the, be the windiest section of your climb. You know, on the lip yeah. of the fucking yeah, we ravine. Can blow you right off. Yeah. Um, um, like, try, if it's if it gets severely windy, try to find something that you can get under, like an overhang or something. But if you're on the lip, I don't know how you're doing that. Um. In a snowstorm, the little things that like there's like markings. All these trails are all marked out, but in a snowstorm, they look like boulders. Mm-hmm. Like they do not look like what they're supposed to be. They've want people have wandered out in whiteouts mm-hmm. and cannot find their way back. Um, your next landmark you're gonna find on this hike is Split Rock. It's a truck-sized boulder with a gap in the middle that you can squeeze through. Oh, no good. thanks. Okay. Um, this is a spot where you can take a quick rest again, regroup for your final push to the top. Usually only Why take are we still going to the top I if I can't see and I'm going to get blown off the fucking mountain? Usually it will only take about 15 to 20 minutes from the bottom of the end of the Alpine Garden to the Split Rock. Above Split Rock, the trail moves across Talus. And if there are no tracks to follow, it can be difficult to keep on the trail. The trail traverses west until intersecting with Davis Path, which comes in from the south. Davis Path. This is an easy place to make a wrong turn. Don't make a wrong turn. Um... <laughs> Don't make a wrong turn. <laughs> After that, the trail makes a Don't hard turn that. to the right. 
And then it leads directly uphill, more or less due north. Like you're just walking straight uphill now. Um, None of this in about like 30 minutes, you should arrive at the junction with the auto road. In about 30 minutes, you're almost there. You know, only about 30, 30 minutes straight yeah. uphill. So you get to the auto road. I would feel a lot better on the auto road. <laughs> I would get blown off the yeah. auto road. Um, this chick climbed Mount Washington. <laughs> yeah. As you continue up the auto road towards the summit, you'll you'll be likely walking back into the teeth of the wind. So now you've hit the auto road. You're walking back towards the summit. That wind is hitting you again. Right, you had a little yeah. break. And we talked. What is it? 101 with the wind chill. Well, negative, on the coldest uh, day, but yes, I mean yeah. it's negative. Yeah. Um. But don't worry, you're only a few minutes from the top. <laughs> you will keep walking north. There's a giant wooden staircase up the road, and then cross the tracks, and the summit lies directly behind the biggest building, which is the main visitor center in the summer. Um, I'm assuming the visitor center is closed in the winter. I'm assuming. Actually, you know, it's probably open because if you go up there, like to get inside, I bet it's open. I bet there's not people in it, but I bet right. it's you can open get it. so you can go in. Um, most people who make it to the summit go back the same way, but there are other ways you can go if you feel like, oh, shit, that was hard. <laughs> but it's Walking gonna... that lip was a little dicey. <laughs> but th- this is not much easier, and it takes about like twice as long to get back down as it would if you just follow that trail. <sighs> the gear you need to climb Lion's Head Trail. Mountaineering boots. Lightweight crampons. Lightweight 50 to 60 centimeter mountaineering axe. Collapsible ski pole, face mask, face mask, neck warmer, and balaclava. Goggles, two pairs of gloves, food, water, and thermos, cell phone, map, and compass, and a first aid kit. If mm. I need a balaclava, goggles, and a helmet to not get happening. out, I'm not doing it. Not happening. I'm not so, doing it. Sorry. That's pretty much um, the statistics of yeah, Mount Washington Mr. and Mount its Washington. little things you're going to hit along the way. Okay. Well, as I've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, a couple of years ago, I hiked with my kids. We went camping mm-hmm. and we hiked the Tuckerman Ravine, mm-hmm. which is um, all boulders to the top. Mm-hmm. So I hiked thinking the weather wasn't coming until three o'clock and we get to um, a cabin at the, not even, maybe three quarters of the way. We didn't make it to the top. We get to this cabin and we figure we'll stop, we'll take a break. And there was a list of all the people that died in Mount Washington. Mm-hmm. I thought, huh, that's fucking something. Mm-hmm. And then it proceeded to start to downpour, and we had to hike down these wet rocks in the rain, mm-hmm. and we're passing little shelters in case of an avalanche or something. It was, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is no fucking joke." Yeah. So apparently, across from the information desk at the summit of Mount Washington is also a list called the Wall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It's a list of all the casualties on Mount Washington since 1849. When they began keeping a list. So I'm sure people died before oh, then. But sure. this list only starts from 1849. Mm-hmm. As I said, Mount Washington ranks number eight on the world's most dangerous mountains. You know, up there with fucking K2, Matterhorn, yeah. Everest. Um, and you know Everest isn't number one? Is it that one in China? It, there's a bunch of them yeah. in the in China. Um, did you watch that yeah. show? And he climbed like 14 yes. peaks. Um. It was one of those. Uh, so anyway, it's only number two behind Everest, which I thought was pretty crazy because you have all these crazy fucking peaks and then Mount Washington. It's li- it's so deceiving. It's, it's so not even random. Yep. Um, it is known as having the worst weather in the world, and it's why its death toll is so high. Mm-hmm. People underestimate how dangerous Mount Washington can be because they think it's just a little rinky dink six thousand foot peak mm-hmm. in New Hampshire. Um, I got my information from. 
the New Hampshire Magazine, and they wrote an article that was published in May of 2019 that gave statistics. These statistics have gone up since then because there's been more shit. Three years of deaths. So, um, I think there was two within the past month. Yeah. In December. The, la- the last one was December 12th. Yeah. I had to cover that. Mm-hmm. So there were 44 falls, 33 deaths to hypothermia and the weather, and 23 to heart attacks. Excuse me. Because a lot of people, too, again, they think it's a little rinky-dinky hike. They're not really in shape. Mm-hmm. Let's go for a hike. And they have a fucking heart attack. Right. Okay. So this list is maintained. Not so that they can brag about, oh, we all fucking... They want people to be aware. And right. they want them to be careful. And they want to know how dangerous the mountain can get at any time. So I'm going to cover some of the fatalities. Okay. So we're going to start with the first death to have ever happened on my mind. Okay. That would be Frederick Strickland. Mm-hmm. And as they say, he owns a grim first. He is the first recorded person to die on Mount Washington in October. Hmm. You think a nice fall foliage? Foliage, right? right? Gorgeous. October nineteenth, eighteen forty-nine. Winter-like conditions. He's twenty-nine years old. He did reach the summit, but he was less likely on the return trip. Mm. While on the way down, he got lost. Eventually, meeting his fate in the bed of the Imanoskit River in the Imanoskit Ravine. So he drowned. Oh. Number two. I'm not going to literally read 159. I'm going through. There's only 159? Uh, There might be more than that. Um, But I'm not going to read them all Mm -hmm. because that would be ridiculous. Yes. I'm just going to cover some of them, but some of them are pretty uh, noteworthy. Let me see. I'm I'm looking at the end here. I have 161, but like I said, the list has gone up since then. Lizzie Bourne. She is a 23-year-old woman on September of 8th. So September. Still, not yeah, nice, almost nice, summertime. Yep. Yeah. 1855. She wants, she sets off in the Glen House Hotel and she wants to climb Mount Washington with her uncle and her cousin. She has a heart condition. Oh, no. But she's determined to spend the night at the Tip Top House with the eight Because it was a hotel. Yep. And to see the sunrise. She's desperate to get up there. Now it's 1855, Laura. So what do you think she's wearing when she's hiking? A dress. I'm, she's I'm wearing dress. fucking dress. She's got a full skirt, petticoat, and pantaloons. Oh, well, at least she had the pantaloons on. She has yards and yards of heavy fabric. Yards of it. So despite warnings of bad weather, in late afternoon, they left the halfway late house. Late afternoon? Mm-hmm. Well, they're halfway up. Oh, late okay. afternoon. Half so she's just right. trying to get to the tip top house. Yeah. And they leave the house and they leave the protection of the trees. Because mm. believe it or not, those trees, if you've lost Mount Washington, go for the Alpine Garden. Mm-hmm. The winds turned chill and damp and the clouds obscure the trail because that's what fucking Mount Washington uh-huh. does. It gets completely covered. You can literally sit at the base and watch the clouds whipping over the top mm-hmm. of that thing. Now her sco- skirts are soaked. They're heavy. Ew. She's faltering. They stop for the night and they sheltered in a hastily built stone pile. Oh on fucking Mount Washington. That's not good. Well, she becomes Mount Washington's first female death. Oh, wow. Uh, she was only a few hundred yards away from the tip-top house oh. when she died. But you can't see where you're right. fucking going. So there is a simple monument beside the Cog Railway to commemorate the spot where she died. Oh, Creepy. Oh, lovely. All right. Did then she you just get die the- of like, hypothermia? I'm assuming uh, wet and yeah, windy and, yeah. you know, she was a delicate condition. female. Yeah. God bless mm-hmm. her heart. Mm-hmm. Then you get the Willie Slide tragedy. Oh. Willie Slide. This is the death of the Willie family. Oh, God. Um, in a mudslide <gasps> that turned the country's attention to the White Mountains, helping to set stage for the area and Mount Washington to become a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. So the fucking Willies, they have a house at the base of... um. 
Let, let me let me start from the beginning. Okay. Laura, let me start. It's eighteen twenty six. The Willie Sly tragedy turned the White Mountains into a tourist attraction. In the decades after the American Revolution, the White White Mountains were still a vast, empty wilderness. Mm-hmm. But we named all of the peaks after the presence. Nevertheless, this is where Sam Willie decided to settle his family at the base of what is now called Mount Willie. I'm going to give you a oh, wet Willie. Really? Yep. Hmm. Mount Willie. During a violent rainstorm, as my mother would say, a violent <laughs> rainstorm, in fearing mudslides, the Will. <laughs> this is so sad. The Willie family fled their home because mm-hmm. they think it's going to get hit by a mudslide. Mm-hmm. And they flee to a nearby stone structure that they built just in case, in case a mudslide happened. Well, the mudslide happens. And the place they fled to gets fucking destroyed by the mudslide. <gasps> Miraculously, the home they built that they should have stayed in was never touched mm-hmm. by the mudslide. Mm-hmm. My poor people, I feel bad. So word spread and the house began attracting tourists. And soon artists and writers were drawn, as well including Nathaniel Hawthorne, oh. who wrote The Ambitious Guest. He is not known for that. He's known for the fucking Scarlet Letter when he wrote about a girl who's up at the priest. Yeah. Um, it's a short story about a tragedy. Yeah. So, yes, the poor Willie family builds a house for such a tragedy, goes to the house for such tragedy, and, and their does. own house survives. So that was on Mount Washington. That was on the base of Mount Washington. So that's what I mean. Like when I was talking about landmarks, they talk about Mount Willie. They talk about Crawford Notch. I don't know if they're talking about that whole area. Yeah, I think they're talking happening. about the area. Yeah, uh, But they're... They're including it as part of the Mount okay. Washington deaths. Okay, so now we're going way forward about 100 years to 1982. Mm-hmm. Joe Lentini's phone rings. Two people are lost on Mount Washington in dangerous winter conditions. Mm. The temperature was around 20 below. <coughs> this is January of 1982. Winds blowing, visibility's terrible. Lentini's search and rescue team set out early in the morning to find the two men that are missing. Mm-hmm. They eventually retreated, but returned the next morning. Volunteer Albert Dow and Michael Herrick were searching Odell's Gully, where they found tracks that might have belonged to the missing climbers. As the rest of the team convened at the bottom of the mountain, this is where I ripped the lovely the uh, stable out. Mm-hmm. Dow and Harwich began their descent, and then it, it was while they're descending, an avalanche sweeps through the mountain. <sighs> Um, and Dow was killed. He's 28 years old. He's the first and only Mountain Rescue Service volunteer to die during an active mission. Uh-oh. In 2018, 36 years later, the Mount Washington Observatory Summit Weather Museum rededicated the extreme weather exhibit in his memory. Nice. The two climbers Dow died trying to save, Hugh Hare and Jeffrey Batsert, were found a day later by an Appalachian Mountain Club employee who was out snowboarding. Hmm. They were both severely frostbitten and close to death. Hare, who was 17 at the time, so he's hiking fucking Mount Washington in January mm-hmm. at 17. He lost both of his legs. Oh. Today, he's a professor at MIT, wow. where he is the head of the bionics lab. So wow, he's probably cool. doing all kinds yeah. of prosthetics. As a pioneer in prosthetics, he creates limbs for amputees, helping them participate in sports like mountain climbing. That's awesome. After Dow's death, the legislature passed a law making Mountain Rescue Service volunteers working under New Hampshire's fishing game covered by both life insurance and workers' comp. Good. All right. I got another good story. Nope. That's the casualty list. Okay. So we're going to go over a few uh, on the casualty list. We already talked about those three. There are four people who die from slideboard accidents. I don't exactly know what that means, but in 1869, J.M. Thomas... 
Um, I'm sorry, J.M. Thomas, who operates the Glen House, he dies drowning. Mm. Um, where's my number one guy that did that? Oh, number one. Private William Seeley of 29 of Seneca Falls, New York, dies from injuries sustained from a slideboard accident on July 3rd, 1873. The slideboard... Is it like sleds? But they're on the Cog Railway when they're doing it. Oh. So he's one. Then you get Alexander Kusick. He's an employee of the Cog Railway. He's killed August 23rd, 1900 while descending on a slideboard. Oh. Number three is Harry Clausen, age 19, of South Boston, Mass. He's killed August August 5th, 1919, descending the Cog Railway on an improvised fucking slideboard. So they must have just been going back down the Cog. On, a, on like a piece of wood or something. John Lonigan, age 21, of Boston, killed August 5th, 19... They both killed the same day, descending the Cog Railway on a slideboard. So I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Then we're going to go backwards, age 21, Harry Hunter of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He died December 3rd, 1874, near the foot of the cone of the mountain of exhaustion... On the foot of the cone of the mountain. He dies of exhaustion and exposure during an ascent by the Crawford Path in cold and rain. His remains were found six years later. <laughs> Ewald Weiss, 24, Berlin, Germany, left the Summit House on August 24th, 1891 to walk to Mount Adams. He has never been found. Oh, my God. Daniel P. Rossiter, a Boston photographer. He's killed July 20th, 1929, when he renovated... When the renovated old engine, Pepper Sass, is destroyed by the Cog Railway. So he's killed in a train accident oh. on Parker Mountain. Ernest McAdams, age 22, of Stone and Mass. Oh. He froze to death January 31st, 1932, near the Lizzie Bourne Monument. Why are while you making, up there in January? Well, because he's making a winter scent following the Cog Railway. Why not, right? All right, let's see what else. Because it's January. You got these people who think that's the best fucking thing in the world. You got all these. I don't, I don't get it. The don't people get it. wear patchouli oil. They got dreadlocks. They like don't shave and shit. In 1834. In 1834. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's patchouli oil in 1834. Early hippies. John W. Fowler, age 19, New York City, New York, dies April 1st, 1936. Injuries from a 900 foot slide <gasps> down the icy cone of the east side of Mount Washington. Oh my God. Yep. Edwin McIntyre Jr., 19, of Scott Hill, New Hampshire, killed June 9th, 1940, by a fall into a crevasse of Tuckerman's Ravine. Oh, no, ravine. no, no, no. I just no. wanted to say crevasse. I don't ever want to fall into that yeah. crevasse. There's a couple of crevasses here. Um, John Neal of Springfield, Mass., suffered a fatal injury April 7th, 1943, while skiing the Little Head Wall in Tuckerman's Ravine. No. There's a fuck ton of skiing accidents. Um, because you shouldn't be skiing yeah. in an ice bowl on the side of a mountain. It's a fuck ton. Uh, this guy, he dies exposure in Tuckerman's Ravine after climbing on a snowstorm on the Lionhead's Trail, age 21. That was, uh, 1933. He dies. Uh, skiing accident, Tuckerman's Ravine. Skiing accident, Tuckerman's Ravine. Uh, Tom, Tom Staver died February 5th, 1952 in Boston, Mass. Of a fractured skull he suffered during a skiing accident February 2nd, 1952 on the John Sherbert Ski Trail, Leading from Tuckerman's Ravine to Pick'em Notch. Mm -hmm. uh, da, 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 da. Let's see who else we got. 
We have Philip Longernecker, age 25, to lead Ohio. He dies in 1954 of suffocating in an avalanche oh or exposure during a camping trip. Tuckerman's Ravine. Mm-hmm. Um, exposure during a camping trip. Tuckerman's Ravine. Because you're camping fucking January 31st. In a, in a ravine. Uh, let's see. Avalanche in Tuckerman's Ravine. Fall on Mount Clay. Fall in exposure on Mount Madison. Uh, da, 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 da. Daniel... Duty, mm. age 31, of North Brantford, Connecticut, in Craig W. Merrihew, age 31, of Cambridge, Mass., both killed March 14, 1965, after falling several hundred feet from Upper Pinnacle Gully in Huntington Ravine. A couple of heart attacks in here, an avalanche, another avalanche. When I remember being in there, you could see, like, like, you could almost see where an avalanche would stop. Like, you could see the line of where it would you could stop. Absolutely, and especially in Tux, because it's almost inverted. Oh, yeah. But you could see, you know, like that little, yeah, you know, that like a little ridge it where it starts from. Like all the I, time. And I just wouldn't think that there, but it happens yeah, all, all the time. time. Um, there's a couple of um, plane crashes that happen. Oh. So I didn't count them in. No, those don't really count. Scott Stevens, age 19, of Cucamonga, California. Robert Ellenberg, age 19, of New York City, New York, and Charles Yotter, of 24, of Hartford, Connecticut, were all killed January 26, 1969, from a climbing accident in Huntington's Ravine. Uh, da, 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 da. Who else do we have? Heart attack. Th- that's like, it literally says December through mid-March. Like, don't go up to Yeah, but people like, don't listen. People that's why most of these things happen, though, I think. We have Betsy Roberts, age 16, of Newton, Mass. Ooh. She was drowned on August 28th while attempting to cross the dry river during a tropical storm. Oh, my God. Why the fuck you would do that? I don't know. Heart attack. Head injuries falling from Tuckerman's Ravine. Uh, skull fracture sustained in Tuckerman's Ravine. Mm-hmm. Heart attack. Head injuries. Hilleman's Highway in Tuckerman's Ravine. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. Exposure after fall in Huntington's Ravine, Huntington's Ravine, Tuckerman's Ravine, fall into the brook of the Ravine Trail, Ugh. Tuckerman's Ravine. You know how cold <laughs> that water is? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I should have sat down and said how many people die in Tuckerman's Ravine. It's the worst. 1980, you got Peter Friedman of 18 of Thompson, Connecticut, December 31st, 1980, fall in the Odell Gully while ice climbing in Huntington's Ravine. Um, Kathy... Heyman, 25, Sandy Nook, Connecticut, died March 20th, 1982, of head injuries sustained in a fall while climbing in Connection Gully in Tuckerman's Ravine. Uh, Marjorie Frank, 25, Randall Mass, committed suicide oh, by God. asphyxiation in the Valley Way Trail on the way to Mount Madison on July 21st, 1985. Her remains were found nine years later. What? Yep. How is that even possible? Somebody dies from a stroke. Hiking Tuckerman's Ravine. Yeah, that'll do I it. almost had a fucking stroke. I know. Tuckerman's Ravine. I was like eight and I was almost having a stroke. Um, let's see. Kenneth Heckerson, 23, 1983, sliding fall on the icy summit cone. Another guy, sliding fall, icy summit no. cone. Uh-uh. Can you Three imagine days just being up there? I can't. I mean, then these people, like, they're not that far from each other. Thomas Smith, 41, Montpelier, Vermont, died February 24th, 1991. Of injuries sustained from a 2,000 foot no. fall. In a lamb in an avalanche at the top of Odell's Gully while climbing ice in Huntington's Ravine. No. Two thousand feet. Two thousand feet. I hope he feet. died immediately. I always think of that guy when we covered um, Yosemite. 
Remember he was on oh, there? Yeah. And I, it was like 3,000 feet. Yeah. I can't fucking I hope you know. just die immediately. You do, but the whole way down, you know. No, I mean, coming. I hope you don't know the whole I way know. down. Cheryl Weingarten, age 21, Hewlett, New York, died May 1st, 1994, of injuries sustained in a fall into a snow crevasse on Tuckerman's Ravine. Boom. Listen, Alice. it's beautiful up there, right? Like Just the look at it from afar. You can see like five different states and Canada you know from what? the Go top. Go to Wildcat, sit at the fucking lodge. Look at Tuckerman's Ravine. Yeah. You don't need to ski. No, don't All go right. up. They don't climb it. It's Alessandra Kassan, age 19. Ben Concor, Quebec, Canada. Nope. QC, Canada. She died in January 5th, 1996, from being swept into trees by an avalanche on the abandoned old lion head winter route. Oosh. I can't even tell you how many people I'm skipping. A Boy Scout leader dies from a sudden cardiac arrest on July 22nd. 2002. I got married two days before. <laughs> 200 feet up from the start of the Crawford Path. Oh, he like just was there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Rob Douglas, age 39, of Vercher, Vermont, died March 7, 2000, fall. From a fall in Pipeline Gully on Mount Clay, he fell while attempting to descend an icy ski gully to help a fellow skier who was injured uh-huh. in a fall down the same gym. Same gully. Christopher Bally of 24 of Forked River, New Jersey, fell to his death when he went off the trail to the top of a waterfall and slipped <gasps> on rocks no! on the Tuckerman Ravine headwall. No. July 18th, 2010. No. The last. Let's see. We're getting near the end here. I've skipped quite a few honorable mentions. Francis Carey, age 47, of Drummondville, Quebec was last seen walking on the auto road on May 9th, 2016, and was reported missing on May 12th. His body was found off of the Lion's Head Trail near the Alpine Garden Trail by two passing hikers on March 28th, 2016. Oh, so he must have been on that auto trail, just that little path that you walk on for that Lion's Head Trail. Cause of death? Hypothermia. In July. In July. That's the fucking point. Right. In July. Nicholas Benedict. Age 32 of Campton, New Hampshire, died on April 11th, 2019, as a result from trauma in an avalanche in the Raymond's Cataract area northeast of Tuckerman's Ravine. Mm-hmm. He was skiing alone when he was buried under one meter deep for <gasps> an hour and a half to two hours before he was dug out. Cardiac arrest followed by CPR was administered before Benedict. So this is 2019. Yeah. Okay. In this year alone, there has already been, and at the end of 2022, there's already been three deaths mm-hmm. in Mount Washington. The last one recorded so far, that, and there may have been one since, but right now, the last one was December 10th, 2022. 46-year-old Joe Eggy Eagleston. He was climbing to the top with his wife, Kelly. He had worked for the Cog Railroad for 30 years. Wow. So he must have been very young when he started working for the Cog Railroad. He and his wife were taking pics in Crawford Notch. When his wife heard him yell, by the time she turned around, he's MIA. He had fallen 300 oh. feet from the sun, the summit and was pronounced dead on scene. Oh, yeah. That was three weeks ago. Yeah. That's how deadly Mount Washington is. Yes. So, be careful. Stay off there in the wintertime. Absolutely. Do not go in the winter. And don't ever for one second underestimate Mount Washington. You want to climb that in June, July, pack winter gear because you could get to the top. Don't be like, oh, hey, kids, this is going to be a fun trip. You need to know what you're doing. 
and be able to get yourself and your family out right. of a situation. And the terrain isn't as easy as you think it's going to be. Yeah, it may only be 6,000 feet. It's a fucking hot 6,000 yeah. feet. Don't be stupid. Be careful. I mean, I've always said I would like to do it. At my age now, I'm not fucking doing it. I'll take the auto road. Yeah. Boop, boop, boop. Pipe to the top. Maybe the cog railroad if I fucking hit the lottery. I did it. I'm good. I've done it. I mean, is it beautiful? Absolutely. Yeah. Is it cool to kind of be up there and you see the observatory? Because if you, every winter, every winter in New England, there's always a picture of the observatory mm-hmm. with the numb nuts who work there yeah. getting blown across the ice. Yeah. And when I tell you frozen, it oh, looks like frozen. the South Pole, yeah. the pole up there. And it's very, like, whenever we go up to New Hampshire, we always, we're always in the White Mountains poking around. And we'll look and we'll be like, oh, can you see the top of Mount Washington today? I don't know. Because it's always yeah. covered in clouds. Yeah. And they are fucking whipping over the top mm-hmm. of that mountain. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, So, yes, we may not have the highest mountains in the world. Yeah. The fucking one of the badass mountains <laughs> in the world, all right? So it's a little teeny tiny It may be tiny, but it's badass. That's, that's, right. a, that's a Boston fucking mm-hmm. mountain for you mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so enjoy your winter. Be careful. Um, we got some fun episodes coming and going. And um, again, send us your your um, what am I trying to say? Emails. Send us your emails. Send us your ideas. <laughs> Love to have some ideas. Um, we're always looking for new and exciting things to bring to you guys. Yeah, oh, to learn about just to learn about. Yeah. I need some tragedies. I need a good oh like God. Donna Party tragedy. Jesus Christ! You know how I like my tra- Katrina. Donna Party, Coconut Grove, this wasn't Lord enough Island Fire. Yeah, no. This isn't enough for me. This wasn't no. a lot of meat and potatoes. This is like people just being stupid. I mean, not necessarily. They're like skiers and hikers. But why are you doing that? And like, go to a ski resort. I know. Groom trails, lifts, help, ski patrol. Why are you going to fucking tuck them in the know. You got to hike your ass up there with all your shit. Why did my br- mother bring me as a small child? I don't know. I don't want to do, but I don't want to hike with my shit on my back. I don't no. want to do that. No. I don't even want to go just I to just the chair to, to be honest. I just want to sit in the lodge now near the fire. Yeah. And relax. Yeah. Have a few drinks. That's all I want right. to do. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. So um, we will see you guys soon. Yeah. Enjoy your winter. And oh. let's pray for warm weather coming soon. Please. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.